I want to talk to you today about some of the things that are stirring in my spirit. And, you know, as I said, some of these things, as, as, as pressure goes on in one area, you know, you've also got to realize that God turns on. The Holy Spirit is the graphic equalizer in our life. God turns on His empowering, His anointing, His grace, His mercy to not only match the stresses and the pressures that we're facing, but to far outweigh them. And God fills us up to keep us moving, to empower us, to enable us to keep going. Now, I have got Paris learning to drive. And when you're learning to drive, when you're with a teenager learning to drive, you very quickly understand why they call those things that you hold on to savior bars. Because you are holding on to them sometimes like grim death. There are times where my feet nearly go through the front of the car, uh, you know, braking. But let me tell you something. She actually is an incredibly good driver. The problem is, and I see this in the church as well, is that things that you know as a well-established driver are not necessarily things that a brand new driver would think of. So things that I have experienced with the Spirit of God in many different places, in many different times, not just in church services. In fact, I have experienced the manifest presence of God most strongly outside of a church environment. There was no music. There was no others. There was just me. The strongest I have ever experienced the presence of God, where it was almost like walking through a cloud, was at the execution site. There is nothing that will ever take that experience away from me. You could hold a gun to my head and make me deny that experience. But it was real. He was real. The presence of God was real. Another time I experienced, um, I had been into the dentist to get, uh, actually just to get a, a clean and an examination. And they said to me, would you like gas? And I'm like, oh, I've never had gas for a clean in my life. And they said, well, we'll give it to you free and it'll give you a nice little pep up before you go back to the office. And I thought, okay, sounds good to me. Well, the strangest thing happened. I sensed this experience come from my head right through my body. And I went, I recognize this. I recognize this. This is the same as I experience when I sense the presence of God on me. But I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to not drive a car after I've experienced this presence. And certainly, um, you know, there is no negative experience. And it was interesting because as I walked home, they said, be careful walking home. And I'm walking home. And I'm thinking, why did they do this for a clean the world is trying to anesthetize us from pain because then it makes me go, oh, well, I don't have to think too hard about eating the lollies or, you know, checking the teeth because I'll come, they'll give me a, you know, they'll knock me out and they'll do their cleaning. The world wants to anesthetize us from pain that would push us in towards making changes in our lives. 
And I was like, I was just going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And yet the Spirit of God is here to help us to take away the pain that is inflicted upon us. And we must sit long enough in His presence to sense His presence in us, through us, and upon us. And so this is something I know. This is not new for me. I mean, Stuart Campbell can bear testimony and Sonia to the fact years ago we used to sit in a room and pray and we would just sit and the presence of God would be in that room so strongly that it would be like, it would, it would be like a weight of His presence. And yet I'm realizing now that a lot of people don't actually know or understand how to recognize the Spirit of God. But don't worry. You're in good company because on the way from Emmaus, the people who had been walking with Jesus, Jesus was walking with them and something happened in their hearts. Their hearts burned within them, but they didn't recognize who it was. Now, you may experience the Spirit differently from the person next to you, but the most important thing is that you recognize what is going on. You recognize Him. So back to the car story, we're going along uh, Centre Dandenong Road, Paris is driving, and she says, Mum, there's no power. I'm pressing the accelerator, and there's no power. And I said, what do you mean? There's bound to be power. Just press the accelerator. No, 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 Mum. And the cars are flying everywhere. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, no, can't be. Praying frantically in the spirit, look over, no petrol. We're in the outside lane. And I said, did you not notice a flashing orange light? And wouldn't you think of telling me that, you know, there was something a little bit different on the dashboard, honey? But I hadn't actually told her to look out for the lights on the dashboard. So, you know, anyway, I'm trying to find God in all of this. So I, I get out. Cars are flying. Trucks are flying. So what do I do? I put my hand up like this. Just like this, put on the, I said, put on the hazard lights. If in doubt, put on the hazard lights. And I walk out like this, all five foot of me, and stop the traffic. Just stop it. I thought, you do this in Indonesia. This is how you walk across the road. I'm going to do it near the airport. And there I saw these guys. So these trucks just stopped at my command. It was amazing. I felt the power. I'm like, oh, and, and I'm like, I thought, okay, just do dumb female. I'm like, and they said, what's wrong? I said, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't get the car to start. I'm like, I'm too embarrassed to say I've run out of petrol. <laughs> and then we're trying to work out how do you put it in, in, in neutral because it's an automatic. And oh, anyway, they pushed it off the side of the road into the area that was the emergency area. So I'm saying to Paris, look at that. Isn't that amazing? Yes, we ran out of petrol. But here is God in all of this. We have got a space. You have learned a lesson. And by God's grace, it has been minimized. The impact has been minimized. And God has been gracious. Because I forgot to tell you, and you're a new driver. Isn't that amazing? But never do this again. <laughs> and then the next, for the next three weeks, she was asking everybody, have you ever run out of petrol? My previous car was German. It would say you were running out of petrol. And it meant you were running out of petrol, which was problematic because the car before that was American. So it has large portions, right? So it would say you're running out of petrol and I could drive around for three days. 
So when the German one said, you're out of petrol, you have like 10 kilometers. That is not a long way. So I was caught on four lanes of traffic with my car and two babies and everybody yelling obscenities because, they th because it's a German car with a label. You can guess what it was back then. And I'm going, don't be so horrible. Have any of you ever run out of petrol? I nearly want to hold up a, you know, a, a, a little banner saying, you know, you haven't run out of petrol before. But the point is, as Christians, we need to know when we need to go to the filling station. We need to understand that we need to be filled up for a purpose. One of the problems is that people want to fill up and feel good and not move on. Could you imagine what that would be like at a petrol station? Like, could you imagine somebody just going, oh, this is great. I love the feeling of being full. I love it. I just want to be full all the time. People sitting stopped at a petrol station. When God touches you, my friends, it's for a purpose. You will be empowered to be my witnesses. You are filled to serve. You know, you say, God, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then he fills you, and then you don't want to move into whatever it is because you'd rather stay in that place of, of comfort and, and feeling full. And every time, you know, with revivals, you, we see revivals once about every hundred years. My hometown in Northern Ireland was where the um, original starting point of what became known as the Welsh Revival happened. Now, the newspaper would document. I went to see the newspaper, the, the, the reports of people falling down in the fields and asking God to touch their lives. People stopped, arrested by the Holy Spirit doing their task, tears filling them, joy filling them. But this happens about every hundred years. We know from history there is a wind, there is a cycle, there is a rhythm. But in between, we need to learn how to currently, to co continuously in-flight refuel. We need to learn to fuel up when we're here at the filling station. We need to learn to refuel when we're out there doing whatever we're doing. And I'm going to talk to you some other time about all the different ways that you can top up so that you're always moving from the overflow. Now, there are times in your life where you are pressed so that every bit of that juice is pushed out. But you can't stay that way. You have to get to the filling station. You have to know. You know, there used to be a time where, where people would say, you can't be a proper Christian unless you've driven 50 Ks on empty. You know, you've got to drive by faith. Yeah, but faith also requires us to do what we need to do. It requires intelligence. And yes, God made a way with this situation with the petrol and just the whole thing. God had it surrounded by his grace and by his mercy. But it still was an awkward situation. It still was enough pain to make us remember and not do it again. We can't live our lives on empty, living from weekend to weekend or living from one person laying hands on you to pray to the next person laying hands on you to pray. We must learn how to drink ourselves. 
And once you've learned to drink, you've got to keep on drinking. You can't just uh, say, oh, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. No, you've got to learn how to prime your own pump. You've got to learn how to feed yourself, and you've got to learn how to drink. Imagine if a, uh, a child, after learning how to, to drink, then came back and said, I'm really thirsty, and you handed it a cup, and it didn't know what to do. I mean, that would be absurd, wouldn't it? And yet, this is what happens in our spiritual life. So, uh, the first filling station is in Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 49. The disciples were having a private meeting, and it says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. You see, sometimes when the Spirit of God turns up in a way that is uh, different from what we're anticipating, it can startle us. It can make us go, goodness me, what is this? What's happening? But again, you're in good company. The disciples felt the same way. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, I think that's interesting. Like the Holy Spirit brings about a sense of wow, a sense of amazement. There's that common and joy. There's a common denominator. It's, it's that, that sense of wow, what is, what is happening here? He asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish and he took it and ate it in their present, presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Now, let me just talk about this. Repentance. We may not use that word a lot, but repentance is as basic as this, recognizing where you have gone wrong and turning away from it. It's about self-awareness, and it's often because God shows it to you in a time of silence, in a time of prayer, in a time of self-examine where you sit down and you say, God, where did I sense you today, and where could where, where, where were you really not that happy? And he'll gently show you. And then you repent. You say, I'm sorry. It's as simple as that. Allowing God to minister to us and to show us uh, where we can do better the next time. And wanting to do better is actually repentance. I don't have to preach hellfire and brimstone. It may not do an awful lot except for scare you. But I do need to tell you that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance and a change around in our life and a transformation. I don't know about you, but in my life, anyone who has rebuked me harshly, it may have caused me to change my behavior, but it hasn't changed my heart. 
But when someone has come alongside me and said, you know what, Christy, I can see that, that you want to do the right thing, but you're just not. You can do better than that. Why don't you consider this? You take that on board because you know that that is coming from a place of love. And it is for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus it is when we see that we are loved by God, that we can sit in his presence and that we can surrender to him, knowing that all he has and all he wants for us is out of his absolute and complete love for us. I want to change because of God's love for me. I want to. They preach this to all nations and you will be the witness of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay on the, in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You know, these disciples have been with Jesus for three and a half years. But he's saying it's still not enough. The Holy Spirit must come upon you. You know, it's fascinating to me. Um, I was with a, a good friend of ours, Rodney Howard Brown, a couple of weeks ago. And he was hamming this up and saying, you know, could you just imagine how many people started in the upper room? We know there was 120, but how many people started? And how many people went, oh, I can't wait any longer. I just got to get out of here. And then he tells this funny story of somebody who'd arranged to sell their one hump camel for a two hump camel, and they got to take it back. And all the things that distract us from tarrying, from waiting for the Holy Spirit until we sense that power. You see, one of the things that happens is that we, we, we sit in the presence of God and we start to feel his presence. It could come in a whole lot of different ways. Yesterday, I was sitting in the presence of God, and these tender, amazing, big, blobby tears just rolled down my face. I had no idea what they were about, but I was going with it, totally going with it. And what happens is, the, the Bible says that those who wait upon the Lord will receive strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. And what happens is we want to put out the fire of the enemy with one drop of water instead of being filled overflowing so that when we, we, we pitch something back at the enemy, it's just a <laughs> instead of this to overflowing with the Spirit of God. Be prepared to wait. Be prepared to wait. I mean, could you imagine? And we had a funny time the other day. We were sitting in my office praying, and I said, look, we're just going to sit here and tarry. We're going to wait as long as it takes for the Holy Spirit to come upon us and to really um, fill us up as a team because it's so important. The funniest thing happened. So somebody had to leave it quarter past three. And I said, that's fine. We'll probably sense the Spirit of God moving at about 20 past. As it happened, I, I was joking with them. But as it happened, that's exactly what happened. There was about nine of us in the room. Everyone experienced him differently. One person experienced him with this sense of, of weeping because they know the consecration. They know that when this happens, God is asking something of them. One person experienced it as joy. One person experienced it like a little fluttering, like what happens when you are pregnant and you start to feel movement. Everybody experienced the presence of God, but everyone experienced it differently. But we all recognized, we all were aware, and we were all filled to overflowing. And yes, it did mean that some things that we wanted to get done that day did not get done. But I, for one, can tell you that the way in which the things got done later 
were done with ease because it wasn't with power, it wasn't with might, but it was by the Spirit of God. Some things that I thought I needed to do didn't even have to be done. If we allow God to fully take over our lives, if we allow Him to fully um, make Himself known to us, things change, things begin to shift. But it requires courage. It requires, you know, it, it's funny because someone said um, a few months ago, oh, I don't think Christy believes in the Holy Spirit anymore. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. I need him more and more and more and more. But I have also learned that there are many ways that he shows up. I am an out there gregarious kind of joyful person. And people expect me to turn up in that kind of way. But there are some times that I want to be mellow. But then everybody's panicked because they think something's wrong with me. No, there is nothing wrong with me. I'm just taking a back seat and enjoying the journey. Imagine the pressure that is on a person. You know, I have experienced the Holy Spirit in some in most incredible physical ways. And then I've had people say, you know, we just need you to do this. We need you to be this for us. We need you to flow in the Holy Ghost. We need you to call people out and prophesy. The Holy Spirit is not a commodity. He's a person. And he wants to be welcomed in whatever way he wants to show up in any situation. Don't put him in a box. Let him out. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he must be a seven on the Enneagram. Loads of options. There is not a right way and a wrong way for the Holy Spirit to turn up. Take those restraints off him. Stop resisting what he wants to do in your life and start welcoming it. You know, the disciples were obedient to Jesus' last command, and they stayed waiting for what God was going to do. And obedience results in the fulfillment of the promise. Ten days later, they were still in an upper room, and Acts chapter 2 says, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Who would recognize, recognize the sound of a blowing of a, a wind? So we, can, we know when the Spirit of God is here. We recognize Him. Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. There wasn't any doubt. No doubt. Is that the Spirit? Is not that not the Spirit? You know, there was no doubt. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The amazing thing about this is that some people thought they were drunk. Some people were alarmed, but they were all amazed. I want to see people amazed at what God is doing in our midst. You know, Bayside has been set up. The, the, the heart, the charisma of this church is the Word and the Spirit. It can't be one or the other. If you are just fueling up in the Spirit and not going anywhere, you're creating a blockage. You're a traffic jam. 
If you are just running and just proclaiming the word without getting the, the, the juice of the spirit, you're going to end up dry, legalistic, self-righteous, and empty. Because it's not about the letter of the law. It's about the spirit of the law. And I love that we see Peter who first of all denied Christ, when the Spirit of God came upon him, he was filled with a new sense of boldness. You know, sometimes we just hold back and we're not sure how to, to do things or to say things, but the Spirit of God's boldness upon us, and that boldness may also be a boldness to, to, to restrain from saying something, a courage to actually not say, to trust God in the situation. You know, sometimes I think we want to do God's work for Him. It's Him that is continually working, not us. I remember I used to, to send a text message to Andrew Chan and say at night, have you checked the roster? And he'd say, yep. I said, who's on duty? He'd say, JC. I'd say, fantastic. He's got the night shift. You and I can both rest. You know, there is a time where we have got to say, God, and, and I, th I think we need to actually allow ourselves to be, to be at the end of ourselves. Having teenagers will do that. But at the end of ourselves, we go, God, I have niente, nothing. Because it's in those places, in our weakness, His strength is made manifest. Lean in to the learning. Lean in to God. Allow Him to fill us. God's people became continually filled with the Holy Spirit. A mobile phone needs to be charged and recharged. We hear of Peter being filled and filled again. They were filled and filled and filled. I, I electric car, any kind of car, it needs to be filled and filled again. <laughs> Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit and anesthetized so that when he was stoned, I believe that, he, that the, I, I believe that that's what I saw at the execution site. When I walked into that tent made of black plastic, that place of horror became a holy place because the faith of the men and the presence of God was not there and equal to the evil. It far surpassed it. I felt like I was walking through the, like the mist of God's love and God's glory. And I believe that it was the Spirit of God filling those men that anesthetized them to the pain of the evil that was about to take place. And that is here for you today too. Don't tell me that your life is full of trouble Tell me what you're doing to fill yourself. Tell me what you're doing to surrender, to say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Fill me. Fill me so that nothing around me is having an impact on me. You know, in Ireland, um, I don't know if they do it anymore because probably the RSPCI, AI, Royal Society of Protection of Animals Ireland um, would probably not allow it, but we used to, we used to um, have little piglets, and they used to cover them all with lard, and the, all the farmers would sons would get together, and I remember because I was always looking for the talent, <laughs> not the talent and whether they could catch the piglets, but the talent and you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, and 
And they would have to run around and try and catch these little pigs. And they would grab them and they would slide through their hands. And the guys would land flat on their faces covered in mud. And it was fantastic. It was so good. It wouldn't allow girls to do it. Otherwise, I would have had a go. But, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus being so covered and empowered by the Holy Spirit that he, they wanted to kill him. But he walked through them because he was slippery like a little hog. And you need to be slippery like a little pig. You know, sumo wrestlers, they oil them up. You need to be oiled up. You know, sometimes I just say to Rob, you need an oiling. You need to be oiled up. We had a door in our house. This is, what, this is what is scary, right? Now, you need to listen to this. It's the little tiny things, the little foxes that take away our joy, but we don't do anything to get rid of them. So it's the little things that irritate us. So I counted for 34 days. Rob said every day, that door drives me nuts. That door drives me nuts. That door drives me nuts. This door is well, clearly not nuts enough, because what drove me nuts was Rob saying, that door drives me nuts. So it drove me nuts more than the door, so I got the WD-40 out, and it took me five seconds, five seconds to resolve something that woke us up in the night, and every morning, God help my, me, every morning, but the pain was clearly not enough until I counted up how many times, and then I fixed it with a bit of oil. The Spirit of God, the infilling of joy, does not work with a squeaky door. If you are a squeaky door, you are not oiled. And we owe it to each other to put each other out of our misery. Oil up! Oil up! Oil up! Oil up! Oil up! The next time somebody's complaining, just say, you need an oil change. You need to oil up! Oil up. I want to be a slippery little hog. You want to be a slippery little hog. Who else would not want to be a slippery hog? Because you don't want the enemy to catch hold of you, do you? Oil up. Get that oil on you. <laughs> the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You position yourself to be oiled. I've got the can. And we're ready to go. We gotta, we gotta allow God to oil us. You know, oil is an amazing thing. We use oil when we cook. We use oil to enhance flavor. The oil of the anointing. We use oil. I have a beautiful piece of wood and it's been oiled up. It brings out its uniqueness. It brings out its grain. You know, the thing is that we we, we want to be unique. We want to do the work of, the, of, the, of God. We want to fulfill our purpose in Him. And we, but we can't stay at the filling station. We must be filled up and move out. Filled up and move out. That's what God's asking of us. He doesn't want you out there squeaky. Don't be squeaky. Squeaky's not a good, not a good thing. He wants you to have a voice, but not a squeak, not annoyance, an irritation. Have the can on standby. Be ready. 
to allow God to fill you to overflowing so that you have enough for you and enough for the person next to you. Make it a priority as you come towards Easter, you know, as you come towards that time that I think is so important in the Christmas, in the, in the Christian calendar. You know, that you can show people that you are a well-oiled person.
God bless you, church.